Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle of taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffitt, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Welcome, everybody, to The Kingdom and Its Stories. This particular uh, podcast is uh, with our guest, Zachary Kahn, who's an old friend of mine from many years ago. And uh, I just want to remind people that when we do these interviews, it's not to to give highlight and praise to the person being interviewed, but it's for them and to tell their story so that we can be inspired by what God has been doing in and through their lives to inspire us to to examine, Lord, how can you better use me to be Jesus' hands and feet in my world where I live? Zach, welcome. It's really good to see you. It's really good uh, to see you, too. Yeah. uh, And you're not in in Papua New Guinea. No, no. We are we are back in the States for a short bit because we just had a baby. And how old is she? She's two months. And she weighed? Oh, man. Uh, (laughs) I don't remember like that, Bob. Right. That's good. Well, this is number which for you? This is number four for us. Yeah, we've got uh, Jude's 11, Oliver's nine, Annie is a year and a half, and Ellie is two months old. Right. How many more do you plan to have? I think we're done. Oh, you're done? done. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If the Lord wills. Yes, right. Well, Zach, uh, a lot of people who are listening don't know who you are. Tell us, who is Zach Ken? Yeah. Well, Zach is someone who was raised in a Christian home. And was just raised uh, hearing all the wonderful stories of the Bible and the good news of Jesus Christ. And like all kids, Zach was also a sinner and is a sinner. And by God's grace and mercy, when I was um, in my teenage years, the Lord just opened my eyes to see how trustworthy his word is, how needy I actually was. Hmm. Um you know, I'd done lots of Christian-y things, and it was really easy to think it's because of those good deeds that I was worthy of the kingdom. Um, and then it's it was just through an examination of the scriptures, uh, a, a feeling of helplessness on my part, but an examination of the scriptures that showed me, oh, I'm supposed to be perfect as my heavenly father is perfect, and I certainly don't do that. Right. And just the reality of, I need Christ. So the Lord 
saved me and has been growing me ever since. I have uh, had ample opportunities to travel, uh, which started with you, Bob, back in 1998 when you took me to Africa and I have worked with you since. And then now in the last uh, eight years, my wife and I have been doing church planting and Bible translation in Papua New Guinea. What was it that that caused you to go to that far away corner of the world? Yeah, well, it was a couple of things. One, just having uh, I had a chance to go to Papua New Guinea when when I looked at Operation World, and I used to read, uh, still do actually a lot of things from Voice of the Martyrs. Papua New Guinea is like a reached country; it's considered a Christian country. But then I had a chance to go visit and realized, man, people know they do Christiany things. They have Christian traditions. But when I started to ask them, like, who is God? Who is Jesus? They would be they would answer things like, well, I think God lives over on that mountain over there. And I think Jesus, can you tell us, is he a good spirit who lives down in this area? And, oh, we know the Holy Spirit lives down by the river because he likes to hover over waters. You know, they they had Christian terms. But as far as right. a Christian worldview, it was missing. Right. So when I saw that and our just willingness to go, um, really in the country, in the in the world, you've got you've got restricted countries that are hard to reach, and you've got remote countries that are hard to reach. And Cass and I just decided to go to a remote one. Papua New Guinea is one of the hardest places to get to in the world today. Well, t- tell tell us what does that mean? You you guys are going back soon. We are. And what, yeah. what would the what would the journey look like to get there? Well, we would we'll fly to uh, from Phoenix. We'll go to L.A. And then from L.A. we'll go to Australia, one of the ports there. And then from there we fly into Papua New Guinea. Um, and then from there we have to get on a, a smaller aircraft and fly um, over the island to the northern part where we live. And there's a little town there, so we'll stay there for a while. And then eventually we'll get on a helicopter and that will take us for about 45 minutes away from this town into the jungly mountains that we live in and uh, will drop us off there. You you can get in one of two ways, either by helicopter or you can take a, it's a three hour boat ride across the bay and then about a 14 hour hike into our, into our village. Okay. You prefer the helicopter? Um, oh yeah, definitely. Uh, for my family, it's a necessity. I just could yeah. not imagine bringing them on that hike. Um, but the, uh, but I've done, I've done the hike and boat many times I can do it, but it is painful. Jack, what, what you know, I, I know that the, the main reason you came back was an earthquake that destroyed your home. And one of the things you've got in front of you is rebuilding when you go back, but what you know, help us with a thumbnail sketch of of what the ministry is like and what are the main challenges uh, that you face in helping the local people to understand the gospel yeah the um i mean the challenges are are pretty much the same everywhere in that you're dealing with people and people love themselves, they love their own worldview, and it doesn't matter if it's animistic or materialistic. Uh, people love what's familiar, and they um, they love explanations of their existence apart from God. And the 
you know, the challenges for me is, uh, you know, I don't know their language. So I have to overcome those language barriers, those cultural barriers. I do have to speak to them in a way that they can understand. So I can't rely on my own understanding uh, that I've grown up with. I can't rely on the language that I grew up with. I have to learn those things. I have to become a student of them uh, to really make sure that when I do communicate, it's clear. Um, and Jack, let me I, interrupt with a question. On a scale yeah. of one to 10, 10 being very fluent, native fluent, where are you in terms of your understanding of the language and what is the language called? Yeah, the language is called Do. And I would say in terms of fluency, uh, 10 being the, you know, like a native speaker, like mm-hmm. they just understand everything and their communication is flawless. I'm probably somewhere around a seven or an eight. So I can communicate. We can have lengthy conversations. People do have to slow their language a little bit down for me. There's, it, they speak so fast and there's so much detail in their language. If they go too quickly, they know I won't follow. So okay. but if they if they slow it down a little bit for me, um, and if I prepare what I want to say in advance, uh, generally we can have some good communication. Okay, good. Okay, go ahead. Um, so yeah, there's you know it, it took me five years to get to that level in their language. Okay. So that's a massive thing to overcome. And then culturally, um, culture is as important as languages. I mean, the two are tied uh, for them to understand for me to be able to express to them that I care for them. There are cultural ways of doing that that are just not the same as American ways of doing that. And I have to learn those things. And so overcoming those. things. Yeah. So, um, you know, in, in, uh, in Papua New Guinea, um, they, uh, the way they build relationship is, by there's a couple things one is you just have to be willing to sit down for hours around a fire and speak of what 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 seems to me like they're talking about almost nothing um it's they're very comfortable with long silences um but just being there and and the exchange of things is really important so when as they sit around the fire they'll be uh exchanging um food or small little gifts here and there and probably a really big thing in Papua New Guinea, certainly in our village, is the relationships are built on this sense on this sense of indebtedness. So in America, we like this idea of transactions where someone does something for you and you pay them and that transaction is over. It's we don't yeah. like debt, we don't like things like that. But in Papua New Guinea, um they they love it if if I can be in their debt, if I can re- rely on them for a job and they do something for me and I don't pay them right away. And now I owe them. There's a sense of connectedness uh, that they enjoy about that where, mm-hmm. so I've had to learn to be comfortable letting them serve me without me just paying them or bringing that relationship to a close. Okay. Yeah. Um, Cause then they can cash in on that later. And there's that sense of relationship like, Hey Zach, remember I helped you that one time. I need help now with this thing. Okay. Um, I've had to learn things like that. Right. Tell me, how important is your attitude of being a servant to them in terms of earning the credibility that you need to be able to share something that is outside of their culture, which is the gospel? Yeah. Um, I, I have had to learn how to 
um, really just care for the people there uh, in in the sense of helping them uh, taking the lower place and showing them that I I I I they they have this view of what a Westerner is and how Westerners fit into their worldview. And I get to show them that what the Bible teaches is not how they perceive uh, outsiders. Um, Some of them have viewed me as uh, ancestors returned back from the dead. Some of some people view me as uh, someone who has the secrets of the afterlife, which is why I'm wealthier than them. Uh, All kinds of explanations. And I get to go in there and I get to serve them. I get to lay my life down for them. I get to say, listen, I left all this stuff because I believe there is a message that is worth hearing. Um, and they've get they've been able to see me suffer, like with the recent earthquake. Um, I I haven't left because of suffering. When things get hard, I don't just leave. I tell them, listen, I, I need to trust the Lord just like you do with the hardships that come my way. They get to see me when I'm sick. They get to see me when I lose teammates. Um, they get to see how we've dealt with death, uh, both death in the village and uh, death of one of our teammates uh, died of of cancer back in 2017. They get to see how we how we respond, how we react to that, and that that affirms to them what we're telling them about our worldview. We we tell them that God is trustworthy, and they get to watch us trust the Lord through mm-hmm. through many difficulties. What what are some examples of ways that you have been Jesus' hands and feet to them? What are some examples? A couple of stories. Yeah. Um, well, one of the things uh, related to what I was just saying is the the whole thing with the the earthquake. So there was an earthquake um, that knocked our houses down. It was uh, almost almost exactly a, a year ago. It'll be a year ago this weekend. Um, there was a massive earthquake, about a 7.6, rocked the whole village, only knocked down three houses, two of which were our mission houses in the village. And, uh, and man, people were just so scared and heartbroken over that. Cause it, it really is like, is this the end of missionary activity in our village? You know, everything of Zach's is broken and strewn all over this mountain ridge. Um, how is he going to respond to that? And, uh, man, there are so many things that happen in that one is I, I get to just communicate to them that I am still trusting the Lord and hoping in him. And they get to see it actively played out because I have to deal with this mess that God has put before me. And they get to see me faithfully, um, do the next, do the next best thing. On the other hand, they get to see me respond. Not well, uh, they get to see me sin, um, in, circumstances like that. When my houses fell, my first response was, this is the end. Like, I don't, I just do not have it in me in the moment to rebuild. Like I was so discouraged. And, and I, I said things like that to, to the people uh, during those initial days. And then after the Lord calmed my heart and I got wise counsel from others, I was able to go back to them and say, you know what? I spoke too quickly. Um, and I was, my heart was heavy and discouraged and it, it was just wrong. Like I am actually committed to you guys. And I want you to know that like, um, and they get to see that, oh, Zach's, Zach's not perfect. He sins too. Oh, and look how he deals with it. You know, I, since the earthquake and, and our various responses to that, I have had 
probably five or six nationals come and seek my forgiveness for things that they've done. Um, I have, I have had zero prior to that. Um, that may sell your vulnerability. Yeah. And saw me do it um, to set the example. And they were like, Oh, Zach's apologizing for that. Well, okay. Can, Can we tell you ways that we have, um sinned against you and oh man it was uh, we have had some the lord has just produced some really sweet fruit in the midst of a really hard season well t- tell us some examples uh in a minute i need to do a station break but i i want to uh i i'd like to hear some stories that illustrate what you believe is an impact of your being there in that in that village but in the meantime, I just want to uh, welcome everybody who's listening. You're listening to the Kingdom and its Stories, in which we interview people who have some examples of what it means to be Jesus' hands and feet to those among whom they live. And uh, not for their glory, but to inspire us to think further about how we can better be Jesus' hands and feet. So Zach, Zach can um, tell us some stories that would illustrate the impact of you and your families um, being among a primitive people in the middle of the mountains of uh, Papua New Guinea. Yeah, well, there's there's lots of them. Uh, I will. So I will give you a a story that's just about daily life. So we do a lot of things with the village, like literacy. We want them to be able to read and write in their own language. They don't have access to education. Um, and we want them to be able to have access to God's word. And God's word no, is in a no book. No public schools in the village. Uh, well, there is, but it's it's not what you would hope for okay. from public school. There is government education, but that's the topic for another time. But really, I mean, we want them to be able to read and write with comprehension okay. so that they can have access to God's word. God gave us a book. We want them to be able to read it. Okay. Um, and in the midst of all of our programs that we do, there's just people and these people come to us and they're the people who come to our door, which they do almost every day. We have people knocking on our front door. And uh, it can be tempting to think that these are distractions. Uh, There's lots to do with literacy, lots to do with Bible translation, lots of lessons to prepare for Bible teaching. Um, And then you get these people who come and they just knock on the door and they have requests. And their requests are rarely for spiritual things. They're often for physical needs. Um, Like maybe their kid is sick or maybe uh, they they need some food or they want some salt to add to a meal that they're making. Or sometimes I get guys, they just don't know how I work. I operate. So they come and they just are like, can you give me, you know, $5,000 for school? Do you do that sort of thing? You know, or can you give me a solar panel? I get that one a lot. Can we have a solar panel? Do you give out solar panels? Um, and all of those are opportunities to sit down with these people and share good news with them to to take an interest in their needs because their needs are real. The people who are asking for solar panels, um, they, they're sinners and they're selfish to be sure. They also need light in their homes and they don't have lights. They need 
they need medicine for their kids who have a high fever. Yeah. Um, and we get to come alongside them, love them, help them where we can and communicate to them that their greatest need is, is not the Tylenol or the solar panel or, or the money for school as important as those things are their need, their ultimate need is so much greater than that. And we get to have these times of teaching and I get to, I've found those are great times to rehearse what I'm trying to teach the village anyway, because those people are actually listening. Yes. Whereas I don't get a guarantee that people are going to come to the Bible study or if they do that, they're paying attention. But here I've got an audience of one who I love and they know I love them. And they get to hear the good news once again, whether they listen to it or not, they get to sit there and hear uh, of their ultimate need and the good news that there is ultimate help. So Zach, what, what kind of, I mean, you're, you said early on that your objective is church planning. That's right. Okay. Um, of course, that involves people coming to the gospel, coming to Christ. Otherwise, there's no, there's no church. Um, Can't be a church but, without that. And how many years have you been there? And what progress have you seen toward that end of your, your the goal that you stated? Yeah, we have been in Papua New Guinea for uh, almost nine years. It'll be nine years in December. And And they've watched you have a family. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There was a newly married couple. Did you have kids at that time? We had two. We had Jude and Oliver. Jude was uh, two, almost two, and Oliver was almost one. Right. Okay. So So you came Yep, we went at that stage and they've we've been there eight years. Family. And the in that time we've learned their language and culture. Well, we moved in with them. We learned their language and culture. We started literacy. We I did some Bible lessons and I kind of gave them an overview of the Bible, a biblical worldview series of uh lessons. And through all of that, uh we have seen a handful of people come to the Lord. We're in a village about of about 500. And I would say about 50 came regularly to hear about the Bible. And I would say maybe 10 to 20 of those people have professed faith in the Lord Jesus. And so that is, that's the core group that we're working with. I mean, we're, we're still evangelizing still. I'll, I'll share the gospel to anyone who comes to my doorstep, but that's the core group that we're going to be working with in years to come to train them in what is the church and Lord willing to raise up leaders. Cause uh, ideally I don't end up being the pastor of the Myroro church for decades to come. What's the name of the church? Uh, so yeah, sorry. Myroro is the name of the village. Um, so the church as it's going to be found in okay. Myroro. Yeah. Right. Okay. So the Doe language is where we're at. There's probably about, 20 or so villages that speak that language. Uh, we're in a village called Mauerero, and that's that's where we're starting our work. And hopefully okay, so it will go out you, from there. You've seen 20-some people uh, come to the Lord. And in your evaluation, how how much of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, um, um, how how close are they, those 20 people? to 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 growing in that in that area yeah i i will say there is there is a hunger to grow um what's so sweet about the gospel is it's it's for the sick 
and for sinners. Um, and they are about as broken as people come, the people in our village. And they have realized it. they don't have to work any harder, do more religious activities to, to be saved by Jesus Christ. He did everything on their behalf and it's finished. And so to see them joyfully trusting the Lord, we saw some immediate fruit from people where uh, there was this old lady in our village, super cranky. She used to give me such a hard time. I remember during my first language check, she was, she was around and uh, my teacher was asked, or the guy who came to evaluate my language learning was asking like, what are the names of these people? And I forgot her name and she has never let me forget that moment. <laughs> um, just super irritable, cranky, would always just correct me, was criticizing. She came to the gospel teaching. I believe the Lord saved her. She has become one of the most joyful, loving uh people. It has just been such a joy to see that change in her. Um, so there's immediate things, but they're also on the maturity level. They're just babies. They are learning. I mean, their families are a mess. Most of them come from, uh, you know, there's polygamy in our village. There are, there's so much divorce and remarriage. There's Jack, we've, we've got about 20 seconds left. Okay. Um, I just want to thank you so much for being with us, uh, during this, uh, podcast and may the Lord bless you and your family as you return and sacrificially serve the people in the Finestra Mountains. God bless you, Zach. Thank you, Bob. God bless you too. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on the Kingdom and its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.